The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Namaste. Welcome to the Conscious Combo Podcast. I am your host and teacher, Pippa Leslie. I'm here to share everything I learn, see, and channel. This podcast is for the conscious and curious beings who are ready to dive deeper into spirituality. I am so grateful you are here. Well, hello guys. Good morning from New Zealand. And I am joined by an amazing guest today who is actually part of the Mind Body Spirit FM podcast network, which I joined earlier this year. And I've wanted to talk to this guest for a while now, and his work has helped me on my journey several years ago. And bringing him on the podcast today is such an honor. So, Dr. Stephen Farmer is a best selling author, licensed psychotherapist, shamanic healer, somatic therapist ordained minister and former college professor and there's many things in what I've just said that I want to talk to him about today so welcome to the show Stephen. Well thank you Pippa thanks for having me on the show. So there's many questions I want to ask you a lot of the things that you do have always interested me so I think the first thing I want to touch on is your oracle cards that came into my life seven years ago so I remember connecting to animals so much I've always loved animals my husband is a conservationist he does a podcast about animals and my husband actually got me into these as well so he has been using your other cards as well so how did you move into your shamanic practices and connecting with spirit animals and totems and guides and the ancestors how did that come to be Wow, that's uh, yeah, uh, got about an hour. <laughs> no, it, it, the short, <laughs> the shorter version, you know, Pippa is, um, I, I am still a licensed psychotherapist, but uh, I hit a place where I was hungry for more, you know, something different, something, and I'd been hearing about shamanism, just a little bit here and there, and a friend of mine gave me a book by Michael Harner called Way of the Shaman. I read it and I went, is this guy teaching? You know, I got to find him somewhere, you know, and certainly he was. He definitely was uh, teaching not only that, but uh, Harner had, uh, he and his wife, Sandra Harner, had founded a an organization called Foundation for Shamanic Studies. And in it, uh, he began to teach uh, something that he called core shamanism. And it it basically was offering healing methodologies through shamanic practice that um, were uh, cold, I should say, or identified in, in just about every culture, indigenous culture that, um, that worked with shamanism. I didn't say that very well, but basically 
that's what he came up with core shamanism because he anthropologist you know and he'd studied indigenous cultures uh, throughout the world and uh, sort of drew from them you know what were the key uh, healing methodologies incorporated in what was called shamanism anyway um, so I found him I found a two-day course and started the the ball rolling uh, introduction introduction to shamanism and it was Harner who was teaching it which I was very pleased uh, to hear that along with Sandra Ingerman who also uh, has been a leader in you know what we call core shamanism shamanic practice basically um, and the, the gist of it was I after two days I shot out of there and I said this is it you know this is where I need to go and what I need to develop and, and do further training with him, which I did. I, I grabbed it just about anything I could that had to do with uh, shamanism, Celtic shamanism, Huna, which is Hawaiian shamanism, uh, gosh, uh, what else, Tibetan shamanism, and then some things that were offered through the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, you know, by other teachers as well as Michael. Eventually ended up in a three-year training and uh, just took it to heart. I, and one thing led to another, and I closed my practice, uh, my psychotherapy practice, and devoted my time and attention exclusively to shamanic work for a period of time. I opened it back up a few years ago, it being the psychotherapy practice, and now I can see there's a synthesis uh, of these various practices, and I will draw from whatever uh, skills that I have to serve the client or teach about, you know, I just finished something on ancestors, teaching about ancestors and how they can help us heal. Uh, spirit animals, finding your spirit, your power animal, etc. You know, I've done a number of things along those lines as well. So it's been, it's been quite a ride, I must say. And um, I really feel very blessed that I'm able to do the work that I'm doing. And as I mentioned, Pippa, before we got started recording this is that uh, I love the land that you're living in New Zealand. Yeah. Mm. Say, if I'm saying it right, Aotearoa. Aotearoa. I can never say it. it's Aotearoa. Like yeah, right. Yeah. I've got a T-shirt that says that. You know, across the top yeah. of that down there. There yeah. I go again. Never mind. You said out, it, it. It is. It's out. 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 I can never say it, but it's Aotearoa. Yeah, my trying to understand the languages. Yeah, there's got to be. When I first arrived here two years ago, I was like, how do you pronounce this? And how do you pronounce? <laughs> There's just so many different yeah. words. Aotearoa. There we go. That's, That's how you say it. it. Yeah, there you go. You know, with yes. a little bit of Anyway, <laughs> enough of that. But anyway, so yeah, I love the land there. I've been there a few times. Uh, Darling Keenan is her name. She's sponsored, not sponsored, but she supported uh, my coming there. And I was able to do some work there. So I just have very, very fond me memories of the land there. The and land's also... quite interesting. There's a few of the, so I've obviously met the Maori culture here and they have, they have a lot of sacred land here as well. And moving into my new home here, we had this land's quite, there's def definitely different things going on with this land. And I actually brought in a shamanic healer to do some land clearing and stuff. Yeah. And she gave us some tips to, because my next question is going to lead into what I'm about to say. She gave us some tips to, 
you know, because obviously the the warriors are still on this land and they still, uh, you know, their spirit, you know, they're here. And a lot of clients come to see me and they live out in, you know, the bush, as you would say. And the kids will see the warriors peeping through the windows, you know, because they kind of think probably thinking, what's this? You know, that's they're, they're there to protect the land. And the shamanic healer came and was just talking <clears throat> about connecting to this land, what it used to be. And she gave us some tips and we started to leave little plates of food outside. And um, she's asked me to get a little bench for the garden and a little water bath for the birds and things like that. So it's just bringing in how you can you know, give service to others, service to nature, service to the land. So for anyone who's listening that doesn't have a clue what shamanic healing is or being a shaman, what would you say to them to help them to understand? Well, first, uh, forget about being a shaman. That's not the point. Mm -hmm. Because that term has been taken and and just, I think, miscast in a, a few different ways. So instead, think shamanic healer or shamanic practitioner. That's that's that kind of puts it in a different place, you know, that uh, implies a certain uh, uh, contemporariness, you know, of the shamanic work. Whereas shaman, I've met a couple of individuals that I would consider are truly shamans. Uh, shamans even don't even call themselves that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the community that tends to designate that in whatever the language is of the community. So um, as far as the shamanic practitioners, first off, I would say about shamanism in general, as it has um, disseminated throughout the culture, especially what we, I don't like the term, but the new age culture, you know, we're looking, it really is an old age culture. And so there's, it's, a, it's one of the most ancient, if not the most ancient healing methodologies there is. And it's different in that there's no, there were no hospitals, you know, back when, uh, that would be the go-to person for anything uh, physical, uh, mental, um, so anyway, mental, psychological, physical, emotional, etc. Any kind of condition like that, you'd go see the the shaman, and the shaman or shamanic practitioner these days uh, has a an association and a relationship with non-visible guides. And these could be spirit animals, they could be ancestors, they can be, you know, even archangels. Uh, some people work more with archangels. Uh, I, I find um, the whole thing fascinating on another angle is that it's very much of the earth too. There's a lot of earth honoring, like what you've just described, um, the reciprocity that's practiced. In other words, yes, the land and all the beings of the land give us so, so much to support our existence as human beings, you know, this species that we are. So to conscientiously give back something to the land and the beings of the land, I think is a good demonstration of what um, I've come to call reciprocity. I know that that comes from the word reciprocal, of course, but it's, it's giving something back, you know, prayers even, not necessarily just visible, uh, physical things like, like you mentioned, uh, Pippa, you know, offering food, you know, to the non-visible beings that are on the land, you know, that are caring for the land as a gesture of thanks. You know, thank you for taking care of the land. Thank you for watching out for us, etc. 
Robin Wall Kimmer uh, has an excellent book out that I recommend to uh, your listeners. It's called Braiding Sweetgrass. I've got that book and I haven't read it yet. Yeah, I think it's it's well written too. But the the gift that she brings is that she's both a biologist and a native Native American, so she's able to sort of blend the two uh, with a, a deeper and a broader understanding of that relationship with the land. Braiding sweetgrass, yeah, highly recommend it. One of my favorites. So anyway, just uh, one more thing, and then I'll, I'll say I, it just really led me to. I had the psychotherapy practice and it was a few years ago. I, I just went, that's silly to throw away all of that training and all that because some people will more, uh, will benefit more from an approach, let's say from that tradition, you know, than shamanism. Uh, just earlier today, I completed a shamanic uh, healing ceremony and I'm reminded, because uh, it's still fresh, uh, it just wasn't that long ago. I'm reminded how powerful the healing processes are and how critical it is that we begin to revise our relationship with the land. It's, I think it's really critical right now obvious, for obvious reasons. There's things that are going on in the world that really indicate, you know, that there is a probably a major extinction, mass extinction that's going to be occurring somewhere down the road. I don't say that to alarm anybody, that's not the point, but I think what it can do and, you know, get over your fear, first off, you know, let's go ahead and feel it and then let it go, you know, give it to Earth Mother, you know, or Sky Father in some version. But also to align yourself with a greater reality, you know, something that might be called non-ordinary reality and find ways to receive guidance, day-to-day -day kind of guidance. And you don't even have to practice shamanism. That's not the point. But you can draw from that tradition ways to honor the spirits, the ways to honor the guides that you've um, developed a relationship with. Very, very powerful stuff. And I think it's really right for the times. It's beautiful. And it's funny you mentioned mass extinction because if my husband was right here now, he would say we're actually in a mass extinction because of the rapid rate of, you know, we shouldn't be losing as many animals as we should be doing at the rate we are. That's another podcast for another day for his podcast when he talks about animals and the planet. It's quite interesting how I love culture and I love travel and I do past life regression. So I've had a lot of different past lives and being here with, the indigenous people and being in Australia as well, the indigenous people there and experiencing like, I love that old traditional culture and the way they're trying to still bring it into culture. Now, like you drive around New Zealand and you see some of the sacred lands and the Maori go and they have like ceremonies and they do you know, the hacker dance. And it's, it, I think when you watch the hacker, it's like, it, it just, oh, it just stirs up so much emotion watching them perform it. And I think, I had a friend here a couple of weeks ago helping me with the gardens who just moved into our dream home and the gardens are pretty big. And I'm like, I really want to make an effort with the gardens and, you know, give thanks to the land. And like you said, just really, you know, that being reciprocal of, of energy. And she came to me and she's South American. So again, she has other beliefs, but she's very spiritual. And she said, 
just think if you're cutting back different plants, you know, obviously you're killing some of it. And she said, the gods will forgive you and connect as you connect into the, the plants, you're doing them a service. And I thought it's just a beautiful way of seeing things. Like I, I cut some flowers off yesterday to give to my neighbor, uh, just as a, you know, just a, just, just because. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I'm cutting away some of the flowers here. But I th- actually thought to myself, well, no, the, the flowers are going to a good, a good cause here. I'm giving some nice flowers to make someone smile. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm glad to hear that. I think that's a, a demonstration of how we can actually work with the beings of the land, both the physical as well as the ordinarily non-visible beings of the land. Um, <clears throat> I think that we it's just that there's nobody's, I, I don't want to lay blame on anybody or any culture or any ethnicity, etc. for this. I think it's been a natural progression. I watched, uh, and again, something I would recommend, I don't, uh, is on a Netflix, a show, a movie, or a series more accurately, a documentary that showed up called Life on Our Planet, <clears throat> which I immediately went, Our Planet? Not really, but okay. That's the name of the show, Life <laughs> yeah. on And it was a wonderful documentary in many ways. It basically, first off, the credentials were like amazing. You know, Steven Spielberg, you know, is the producer of it. Morgan Freeman narrated it and has got this voice that I envy. I wish I had a melodious voice. But anyway, Morgan Freeman. And then uh, there's a lot of CGI in it. So in apparently the group from that uh, helped with the Jurassic Park series were the ones responsible for the CGI. So the the documentary, I want to say movie because it was like a movie, but the documentary mm-hmm. went back to, it's about six episodes, went, started with four billion years ago. Now the planet's about four and a half billion years old, but it had to cool down adequately for life to begin forming. And uh, life began in the sea, naturally. And it traces the evolution that took place over the four billion years when we believe life first appeared on the planet, you know, microbes, bacteria, etc. Single cell organisms that started the whole thing. And again, it's still a miracle. I don't care how you explain it. <laughs> it's still just yeah. amazingly and mind blowing that there's life on this big rock that's also got a lot of water on it. I just, every once in a while, I'm in awe of that. I just get a rush in my body. Yeah, yeah. The, feel the, the, the place that, the, uh, how would I put it? Feel the sense of uh, gratitude and awareness of I'm a living being. I call it a human being. But more than words is the experience, just momentary experience of wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a big wow. Anyway, it traces the previous five extinctions also when, you know, major changes took place on the earth, you know, and a lot of the species died and then again, amazingly regenerated, you know, to, that brings us up to point here, you know, and how did humans get here? How did we get yeah, here? I, I love going down those rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah, it's a rabbit hole. Exactly. You know, I love it so much. I'm actually glad you what you just said, because it, I was about to say as well, sometimes I'm driving and I'm just that wave of gratitude comes over me. And I think 
the gratitude for our ancestors, because if they didn't survive, you know, if they didn't, you know, eat and work and just do what they had to do to live and survive in, in the harsh, you know, 10,000 years ago, you trace back where I came from, like my lineage, your lineage, Stephen, anyone listening, can you give gratitude to every ancestor? You think how many people had to survive and fall in love and produce the the, the family tree. So you are right here, right now, in December of 2023, doing what you're doing. And it's just, again, that mind blowing of like, oh, how, how grateful I am for all those people who just survived so I could be here. Yeah, it is. Uh, there's a word called awesome. And I know, uh, and again, this is, this is just me, but I hear people saying that word over things that are not at all awesome, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> You know, and that, that's their right to do that. But I, every, every so often I hear somebody say that, like, uh, I give them the correct change, you know, to purchase something. Oh, awesome. awesome. I go, <laughs> no, 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 that's not awesome. Let me, let me tell you about what awesome is, or let's have an experience of what awesome is. So anyway, my point being is that is that's truly awesome. I think the word fits the description because there isn't a lot of other words to describe it. You know, it's an experience. Um, I remember uh, walking my two dogs in the park uh, in the neighborhood uh, one twilight evening. And often, um, Pippa, I get, I call them downloads, you know, where the voice, and it's typically, I think, the voice of my ancestors, or there's a particular elder ancestor that um, has worked with me most of my life, I've learned. And uh, I'll pay attention to what's being said. And one time, in that, in my walks, I got this very loud voice in my head that said, life is about experience. That's it. End of story. The rest is all details. And I go, wow, simple. When it gets down to it, it's really simple. Why make it more complex, you know, with these words? Well, we do. You know, but the words don't always make it more complex. But uh, I'm reminded of that from time to time, that whatever else may happen, the joys, the suffering, etc. It's about an experience. And what a privilege to have this consciousness that ultimately will, uh, when the body's done, will drift, you know, into the larger field of consciousness in some way. There's a scientist named Robert Lanza that, that talks about that. He uh, come, came up with the term biocentrism. And the premise is just that. He said, mistakenly, what we think is that our physical form creates consciousness in some way. And he turns it upside down and says, no, consciousness is what creates the physicality of all of these beings and all of these forms. And then I, in my way of thinking too, is uh, something I came across a while back is, well, what happens when you die? Well, that consciousness co- continues to go on. <laughs> it's that simple. Joins the larger field of consciousness. And I suspect also retains a certain memory of what it was like, you know, being in the physical form and any memories that are associated with that particular physical form at that time. That's head trippy (laughs) it is i love it though it's like i'm i'm at that stage right now where i need the deep stuff like the the deep stuff i'm really understanding where like four or five years ago i would have been like "Mm, i don't understand that yet 
And I love how you said life's experience because I got the privilege to talk to Neil Donald Walsh last year. He's I love his books, Conversations with God. And it just got me again on that deeper level of thinking. And he, I never had opinions. I was always kind of open-minded. And he, he asked me something on the podcast and he said, well, you know, let me help you form an opinion. And I was like, oh, this is going to be good. And he's, you know, there's this emphasis on life is about lessons and learning lessons. You know, there's different teachers, you know, teach different things. And I was always a believer that, yeah, we learn lessons and we may come back from other lives to learn lessons, but it didn't sit well with me. I was like, what if we never learn the lesson? Like, we just keep coming back and back and back. And yeah. Neil Donald Walsh said to me, it's not about lessons, it's about experience, the human experience. I and I thought, what a, the word, like, I've been taught, this has come up a lot the last few weeks about language and how words have such a meaning to different people. The word lesson is like, you must learn your lesson. You think about being a kid, don't you? Like, learn your lesson. and But then experience is like, oh, what a beautiful experience that was. Or I experienced love or I experienced gratitude. So there's just a, a softer meaning to experience. So I wanted to just give you that bit of a feedback to what Neil, Neil said on the podcast. And I thought, wow, that actually makes a lot of sense. So I'm glad you said that. Yeah, or maybe Neil Donald Walsh crept into my head. I don't know. Just kidding, of course. But no, it, it is. It's 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 almost too simple to think about it that way, you know, to consider it, I should say, that way. And yet I, I really invite everybody who's listening, you know, just take a walk outside, especially get out from the structures, you know, somewhere away from the structures. Go sit by a tree, talk to a tree, ask tree to tell you about themselves, you know, and then you can share your information, you know, with tree, a tree. Walk on the land, take your socks and shoes off, especially in the southern hemisphere. You guys are just moving into a, a warmer part of the year. We're going the other way, you know, for a short period anyway, but we're going the other way. But get outside, get your feet in the dirt. You know, it's okay. And talk to Mother. Thank you, Mother Earth. You know, thank you for allowing me to walk on your body. Thank you for all the abundance and, and what you give a, to sustain our lives, you know. Thank you for the food that's before me on this plate, and uh, I appreciate and thank all the beings that have contributed contributed to my sustenance here. Mm. Uh, plants, animals, vegetables. You know, uh, if you're vegan, uh, go that. It doesn't matter, you know. But the blessing and the thankfulness again is a principle of reciprocity. You know, be thankful for what you eat. Those simple kind of gestures like that, I think, really make um, make us appreciate more the majesty and the magic of life and the little miracles that show up you know the little synchronicities that show up i'll try to keep this very short but this came up with hummingbird um and uh, just, oh yeah i don't do you you don't have them in new zealand though right no nope. no when i was in california in september i just oh when i see them to just oh they're yeah. just so magical yeah, we stole all the hummingbirds, you know, from the yes. other, from Australia and New Zealand. No, I, anyway, uh, the short story is that I, I, myself and a couple of colleagues, we did a retreat in a desert center. And one of the, one of Anna Maria, her husband uh, made these beautiful glass figurines, you know, they're like um, things you might want to hang on the Christmas tree or something like that, but they, or just have them, you know, and available and put them somewhere in your home. 
anyway, I thought, I want to get three of the hummingbirds. Jim was his name. And so he happened to have three, all little different colors. He was describing a very meticulous process, how he made them. And I boxed them up, took them back home with me. And one went to my wife and the other two each went to one of my two daughters. As, uh, so that started the story. It's just amazing what happened. So that was about a month ago, roughly about a month ago when I got those and I sent, sent uh, two of them off to my two daughters, you know, in different areas of California. And um, I was typically what I do sometimes contemplating life. <laughs> and I was in sort of a droll mood, you know, not a depressed or anything, but just kind of flat, you know, not, not feeling a whole lot. And then this powerful image of hummingbird came to me. And I swear to God, Pippa, my mood changed completely. So it, it just lightened, um, it lightened up, you know, I just felt lighter, uh, more expansive, etc. Uh, and then other, uh, what we call and probably a lot of people that are hearing this know this, but synchronicities, you know, when things keep repeating, you know, messages keep coming through in different sources. And uh, that's exactly what happened is um, that piece right there was another step where hummingbird showed herself. And then um, the the children's spirit animal cards, and I, I don't know if you've seen those, but they're children's spirit animal cards. They were published a few years back. I thought, you know, I'm going to I'm going to draw just draw a card to see what you know, I get because I don't I rarely use them. You know, I use the adult cards, <laughs> but guess which one I pulled. Mm. Hummingbird. Um, and then not only that, but from a different spirit animal deck called the Power Animal Oracle Cards, another one of mine that I co-created. Um, a day later, I pulled another card from that deck and guess which one showed up? Hummingbird again. And the message from the Power Animal Oracle Cards is lighten up. You know, don't Crazy. take <clears throat> Yeah. And then last piece uh, in the story is far too long. I meant to keep it short, but my daughter, um, one of my daughters, my youngest daughter lost, uh, well, not lost, but had to put her 14 year old dog down and her sister sent her a card, you know, condolences. And when she opened the card, she sent the picture to me. Guess what was on the image? Mm -hmm. and that's it. That's excessive <laughs> give me three that's enough you know and i'll take that as a message but so i've i've been attuned to hummingbird a lot laced lately not the physical animal but the spirit of the animal which even if you live in new zealand or australia you don't have the physical being there you know you can still symbolically that that being may represent themselves to you in some way and give you that message and often it's one of a couple of medicine or messages lighten up you know cheer up a little bit come on, it's not that serious. Or uh, you need to be a little more flexible based on the metaphor of the hummingbird being able to go left, right, backward, forward, etc. You know, you, uh, wonderful, wonderful way to operate in this world, as well as specifically with hummingbird. Uh, call on hummingbird if you start feeling depressed or down, or you find yourself looking at the ground a lot, you know, look up, pretend hummingbird is there.
That's beautiful. I love how them synchronicities happen so much. I remember I was journaling a lot in 2020, 2021. And I found the journal a couple of weeks ago because we'd moved house and it was just full of boxes. And you find things at the right time, don't you? And I remember finding the old journal and I just flicked through and the page, I needed that page at that time. And it was the date, I think it was 11-11 as well, which is my favorite number and the angelic number and you know the synchronicity number. And the, what I needed to read on that page was exactly what I needed in that moment. And I always say to clients and friends, you know, when you do bring presence into your life, when you, you know, you can't be present 24 seven because life just happens. But when you find those present moments, those conscious, just take a conscious breath, you do start to see things, your perspective changes, doesn't it? Like you just see things from a different, like people miss the the signs, they miss the synchronicities. They don't give themselves like you, Stephen, went into the park with your dogs and you got those downloads, you know, you just give yourself that time to, be the human being not the human doing I wanted to touch on so you're Dr Stephen Farmer and I love asking this question because my husband's very spiritual but he's Dr Chris Mortensen so he's got that very sciencey knowledge and he's got this real spiritual knowledge and he intertwines the two how have you found that you know being a psychotherapist learning all the sciencey things and then bringing in the spiritual aspect there's so much crossover so what would be how have you found that from your perspective? Uh, it's a good question, Pippa. I, I don't consider myself a scientist in spite of the doctorate, et cetera. Mm. Uh, my doctorate, uh, well, I had bachelor's was in psychology. My master's was in counseling psychology. My PhD was in psychology. So that's been the track. And yes, I've, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I admire uh, someone, for instance, like Greg Braden, who's able to cross, you know, the science into a, a palatable uh, way of expressing it and teaching us, you know, different things about science and how science does support what we might call spiritual. So I, I, th I know that my purpose in the broadest sense and the simplest sense is as a healer and a teacher. I look at my life and I go, geez, you know, it's always been one version or the other, you know, or different clothing for that, like psychotherapy, shamanism, etc. And um, I do refer to research from time to time as required to stress a certain point. What came up just recently, Peppa, for instance, is about gratitude, you know, and the studies that have been done about gratitude and the effects that it has, you know, it raises the immune system. I mean, that's one example. Uh, we feel a little lighter etc by acknowledging and expressing gratitude so uh, there is that backdrop although my way of thinking about it is try it out have an experience of practicing gratitude you get up every morning you know before you get really into your day just pause and reflect and say out loud those things you're grateful for come up with about half a dozen you know maybe 12 you know, or 10 or 12, excuse me, hiccups, sorry about that. Um, and there is research that backs it. But my interest, uh, frankly, is just much more in the actual experience of it. And what happens when I do genuinely feel grateful? I just feel better, you know, let's put it simply, I just feel better. Uh, what happens when I give a gift to the land in exchange 
for the way that the land has supported me, you know, my entire life. You know, uh, I don't know if that answers your question completely, but I would say there's there's science there. I don't yeah. rely on it completely, but it certainly does support things such as I just mentioned about gratitude, as a for instance. And also, uh, one I just reread recently was about the uh, the two slit experiments. You know, they they cut a, two slits right next to each other, and they shoot a photon through the two slits. And excuse me, it, it chooses, it seems to choose one or the other to go through one side or the other. When there's somebody observing, when no one's observing, it's a wave and it goes through both slits at the same time. Very famous physics experience. Conclusion, when there's an observer, it changes the external reality. Wow. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. That sounds really fascinating. I've, I've said physics has been like the it's popping into my life, I think, because I didn't understand it fully. It, you kind of don't want to dive into it, but it's been popping up everywhere for me at the moment. And you just mentioned another thing. So there you go. There's synchronicities. There you go. Synchronicities. Yeah. Two slits experiment. Just look that up. And or yeah. uh, Robert Lanza, too. Again, the fellow that I mentioned, the scientist, the medical doctor, actually, that has studied this. Um, Anyway, we could go so many different directions. The rabbit holes. I love this. I love these types of chats because yeah. you could just talk for so long about them. Yeah, the so-called, like, uh, what was I doing? I guess I, I was researching uh, something for an article. There you go. You know, researching something for an article. And I came across his name again. Uh, no, it wasn't an article. It was a presentation I was giving on ancestors. And so I had this whole bunch of stuff that I'd written, you know, notes basically about ancestors and uh, Robert Lanza, Lanza's name came up again, the two slit experiment. I went, yeah, oh, yeah, I remember that, that it, if nobody's there, it's a wave. If somebody's there, it materializes as a photon. Wow. wow. Think about yeah. it. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. Um, With being in psychology and psychotherapy, there's a lot at the moment going on with trauma i'm i'm learning trauma at the moment i'm doing a master's degree and i love it i'm very passionate about it i love talking about it i love helping people with it with ancestors now this is something that i've heard and i do believe we carry generational trauma yep. do you believe that Stephen? and if you do how do we move through not just our own healing but our ancestral healing as well uh, good question. It's uh, I love it. And yes, uh, let's start with trauma. Uh, I've been certified in something called EMDR, which sounds like a mouthful, but it's eye movement yeah. sensitization and reprocessing. I, I wish that they named it something it's awesome. Like yeah, <laughs> but it is. It works, you know. And I've used it again when someone is calling for something like that. I can bring that up. The other certification is in something called somatic experiencing. Uh, Three-year training I did in that, uh, and it blew my mind, much like shamanism did when I first was introduced. I went, I get it. You know, it really explains a lot. Uh, somatic experiencing, that the trauma lives in the body first and foremost. And what gets the, the traumatic um, residual that lives in the body will then get translated into thoughts, beliefs, etc., 
really, really powerful. Uh, a lot of times when I'm working one-to-one -one with clients, you know, online or face-to-face, -face, I'll, I'll ask that question frequently. When something comes up that's pertinent, I'll say, when you say that, what do you notice in your body? Because I want to attune to the body, and then there's processes that we can do with that. Uh, one of the most, like if uh, I had a traffic accident, and suddenly my right hand, you know, as I'm telling you, comes up to shield my face, you know, in a gesture, just a real quick. What I would do, would possibly do, is something like, uh, all right, you know, I noticed you did that. What I'd like you to do is try it really slow. And so the person does it like ultra slow, you know, in little tiny bits of movements. And what happens is it starts to unfreeze the frozen parts of the body. It's fascinating, you know, to, to me. So anyway, um, I think that we're in an era, yeah, where there is a lot available. It's not, there, there isn't like one way, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be fundamentalist about any uh, healing modalities. You know, if it works, great, do it. You know, if it helps heal, great, then do it. And today there's a lot of opportunities to heal the residuals of trauma. I don't like to call it, it's often referred to as PTSD, which is fine. Again, uh, it is descriptive, post-traumatic stress disorder. First off, I would say right away, it's not a disorder. <laughs> it's actually a remarkable way that the body or organizes around the necessity of the adaptations that were made as a result of the trauma. That's a mouthful. In other words, your body did what it had to do instinctively. Yeah, to cope. Yeah, yeah. Adapt to the situation to survive. Anyway, a lot of people, a lot of, sometimes I'll introduce uh, with a, a client one statement that I firmly believe is true. There's really nothing wrong with you. No, I, I would say that. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. Let's start with that. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that, Pip, because uh, we're... Well, they say like, they, as you're, not, you're not broken. You don't need fixing. You, you just, you're a human being and you've been through some you know, crappy things. You've been some through amazing things. And good to go back to your gratitude statement is that you make such a good point and I'm learning that in my degree is that the body is so miraculous. Like, so think about the ancestors, what they had to do to survive. You know, they were like, you know, having to survive you know, it was hunter gatherers and there was a lot more threats around then. Yeah. So they had to like literally survive and their body was naturally helping them to survive. And I just think it's just incredible. And it is awesome how the body does that. And that's that gratitude for the body and just taking that time to be grateful for all those little parts of you. Yeah. Yeah. And even um, in retrospect, gratitude for the suffering, the periods of suffering. And I don't pretend that uh, in the midst of that, that you're going to be grateful. If you're sitting in a hospital with a broken leg and you just got there, I don't, I don't know too many people be grateful. I'm glad I broke my leg. No, no, no. But later on, perhaps you'll, you'll see the uh, unexpected advantages of having gone through the experience. Yeah. One thing is resiliency. You know, that if you're still alive, then there's, it's a pretty strong statement that you're very resilient too. You've been able to bounce back from these kind of things. The other interesting thing, I'm sure, Pippa, you've come across it is that's coming down the pike here is polyvagal theory. You know, that it's a whole revision of the nervous system 
when we used to think it was either parasympathetic or sympathetic, you're either on or off, you know, either one way or the other. But that's it's, my that, next module, so I'm excited to read that because I'm reading the book by Peter Levine as well, the polyvagal theory. Yeah, yeah, mm. um, that's pretty fascinating. Anyway, that uh, it's a whole revision of the nervous system. And uh, Stanley Rosenberg is, uh, I can't recall the offhand the name of his book, but uh, another one I'd highly recommend, Accessing the Healing Power of the Vagus Nerve, Stanley Rosenberg, some really good stuff in there too. So anyway, that's, that's starting to show up more and more as a way of understanding uh, how the nervous system works, how we self-regulate, how we um, lose that regulation of the nervous system of the body and also ways that you can reverse that you know it, it, there's just a lot available so anybody who's listening find a good practitioner and from shamanism uh i just uh, did a ceremony healing ceremony earlier there's a process called soul retrieval yeah that also can be very very useful for uh the traumatic impact or the trauma that you experienced along the way, whether it's more recent or especially like childhood trauma, um, mm. whatever the nature of that is. Um, anyway, soul retrieval, the practitioner, the shamanic practitioner works with his or her, but I'll say his, his guides to discover, find that lost soul fragment that split off back when that is now somewhere in non-ordinary reality and the practitioner is guided by his assistance by his uh, spirit animals that work with him for instance wolf and raven spirit uh, work with me in the soul retrieval i go find where that is by their guidance they take me i trust them completely and then typically there's an engagement with the soul piece. You know, why did you leave? What's going on? How are you feeling? Are you ready to come back? Uh, and what do you want when you do come back from, you know, the person that you once were attached to? Fascinating. I've seen miracles, you know, from soul retrieval. Mm -hmm. That's another avenue uh, specifically for recovering from trauma shamanically i did a soul retrieval and it was around the time i'd listened to a story that wayne dyer spoke about and he said he saw the praying mantis on his uh, on his his balcony with his son in hawaii and in the uk we don't see a lot of praying mantises i don't even know if i even saw them when i was in the uk to be honest they're always an exotic kind of bug for me and i'm not a big bug lover but i'd never would harm one and i remember doing the soul retrieval and the praying mantis came in as a guy as a guide and I just think they're so they're so when you look at them they're so unique and they just look like a little person they're just so cute and I yeah. remember like days after I was that the message in the soul retrieval was to call in certain animals to call in certain bugs to call in ladybirds and things like that and I thought I'm going to test this theory then so I started calling in praying mantises and you wouldn't believe this Steve and even my husband said Pip come here oh my god there's one in the bathtub and they're <laughs> everywhere and I was I was doing the garden a couple of weeks ago and I like to talk to Wayne like because Wayne's a spiritual teacher of mine. So I'll say, hey, Wayne, hope you're doing well. Can you send me a message or, a, you know, a sign? And we were doing the garden and there was a baby praying mantis. And honestly, my heart just was like, oh, and I nearly like, you know, I nearly chopped him because I was doing that. And I just picked him up and I put him in his tiny little thing. 
And it's happened many times where I've called in certain different animals and they show, they show in dreams, they show physically, they show as pictures, they show as anything. Yeah, I, I great stories too. I love the one with the praying mantis, especially. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah never expect praying mantis, soul retrieval, what? But it happens, you know, and it's miraculous, you know, to say it the is. least. Even that word miracle, I think that I changed my view of what a miracle is you know i think we t I, I me too you know i think there's a tendency that we think it's got to have bright lights and you got to hear the angels choir and no 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 yeah. there's little miracles like that you know praying mantis oh look oh look there's one in the bathtub thank you wayne <laughs> and it look it, yeah and it looks at you like i always notice when i see it like i'm not i won't touch bugs at, all my family know i don't like spiders i'm just not i just there's something definitely there with some fear and I'm working through it. But with the praying mantis, I will happily pick the praying mantis up and put it outside and I'll talk to it and say, hey, you're not meant to be in the bathtub. There's no food here. Let's go outside. And yesterday morning, I tend to do 6 a.m. walks. I love that time of day. It's my favorite time of day. And there's a couple of snails on the ground and I'm picking them up and moving them off the ground. But that reminded me of what happened last week with my dad. My dad removed a cockroach out of the, the house onto the driveway. And I, he just put it in a glass and took it outside. And a bird came down and swooped and picked it up. And I was, it was a story I heard years ago about the caterpillar where the caterpillar was removed off the ground and put on a leaf. And then the, the bird came down and stole it. It's like that intervening with nature. And I thought there was some powerful messages in there of like, well, the gratitude is that at least the bird got to eat. You know, it, there's just so many different elements to it. Well, like uh, Joseph Campbell said that, you know, that life eats life. Kind of like get used to it. He didn't say get used to it, but yeah. life eats life. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. You know, it's just the law of the jungle, so to speak, even in contemporary. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the other thing um, you mentioned, and it made me think about the Maori culture in New Zealand, the, what I've observed of it when I've been there, that I, that I so respect and admire is that it's integrated. You know, the Maoris are, are much more respected than perhaps in the States, the Native Americans have been. Mm -hmm. Although again, that's changing, you know, thank God it's changing. It's like, uh, I think when we, I sometimes have thought about it is like, uh, we would, uh, we, the species would look at Native Americans or indigenous people and go, well, you know, we'll tolerate them, but maybe now we're going to them taking notes. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. From what they've learned and the, again, their ancestors, what, what, what's been passed down in, in, in all the lineage of like that culture is just, you learn so much from them. Yeah. I remember the Hakka that you mentioned. Oh um, yeah. I cry I, when I see it. I was playing rugby for, I played American football for, you know, high school and college. And then after that, I still wanted to do something. So I took up rugby and I loved it. And then I got I love to rugby. Yeah. Australia and New Zealand, the teams, um, the All Blacks and uh, the Sydney Roosters, I think it was, mm -hmm. uh, play. And that th is so uh, awesome. So that is awesome. Warrior. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's to intimidate. It's to intimidate. It's in like, you know, any other clan or whatever comes in it's an intimidation and you can see i love watching the faces of the other team we watched the old blacks a few weeks ago because i'm a big <laughs> rugby fan i grew up in the uk so i'm a northern girl so i, I grew up all the rugby league teams and 
I remember watching them and I, every time I listen to the hacker or I'm watching them and just the facial expressions, the body language. And I'm like, and you, and you look at the other team and the team, they're all like, you can tell they're intimidated. Yeah. I think it's, it's so, it, it um, yeah. gives me chills, you know, when I've seen it. It does. Yeah. Actually, yeah. The uh, one thing that Darlene did, God bless her. Uh, I have to contact her after this, but anyway, God bless her is that we had a, uh, a two day, like, retreat type of thing and uh she had some of the, the gang come in and do the haka it was like oh my god they're like 10 feet away from me you know yeah. and it was, it was what a wonderful gift what a wonderful yeah. gift anyway yeah this uh, it's going to be interesting the next the next several decades i would say not just years that's you know? my next question yeah my last question for you Stephen, is how what do you see like the, the healing, you know, what's going to happen? What do you think the future looks like for healing and humanity? Well, I think there's the dark and the light. You know, the darkness is <clears throat> what I, I do know is that there is a collective consciousness that we're all part of. And there's a lot of fear, you know, that's being generated in the world due to the violence, due to the upheaval, due to the fires, due to the floods, the hurricanes, etc the intensity of these evolutionary processes um, have increased. And as a result, I think that it's easy to get hit with fear and go, I feel nervous and anxious and I don't know what's going on. Well, it may not be yours. <laughs> it might be nothing personal that you're catching a wave. So I think number one, it's important that we are able to, to a great degree to be able to shield ourselves, you know, from uh, taking on that fear. And there's a lot of these days about empaths, you know, people who actually take on other people's feelings and such. And I think empaths especially need to find some provision. I don't care what it is, ancestors, archangels, spirit animals, power animal, that will, uh, that they, where they can feel they're um, protected, you know, from any kind of in, intrusion like that so that's one thing the second is um to to get yourself aligned and in relationship to the greatest degree possible with non-visible beings who can guide you who can give you information in various ways uh, whether it be a sign or a symbol or the oracle cards, you know, which I've got a few, you know, a few decks that are out there, but there's, there's others that are, you'll find you can resonate with certain ones and maybe others are not, you know, resonates yeah. anyway that um, I, I just encourage people to keep the good work up about your guidance and also look death in the face. You yeah. Know, get your, <laughs> You know, just get over your fear about it. Get some help with it. You know, read about near-death experiences. You know, what people yeah. have so-called near-death. You know, they've died and come back. Um, and you'll find that there's a lot of information. Even people that probably shouldn't have these kind of experiences. They die and they come back and they go, wow, I was a scientist before I left. But now I'm a, a mystic <laughs> based on what happened. Anita Mujani's a good one. She That happened to her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even Alexander, the proof of heaven. Yeah. I picked it up in the airport one time and, and I went, well, let me check it out. Good story. Uh, a, um, 
medical doctor who died came back. Anyway, thank you. I know our time's up, but I want to thank you. Oh, for yeah, that. just great. Just great conversations. We could have gone through down some rabbit holes there. Maybe we'll do a part two for some rabbit holes. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm game anytime, Pippa. Just let me know. Thanks, Stephen. How can people find you? I know you've got a podcast as well, if you want to tell people about that. Uh, sure. The podcast uh, is on the mindbodyspirit.fm. Uh, it's called Healing for Your Soul. Uh, people can reach me at website, Dr. Dr. Abbreviated. There's no no um, period in the middle. It's Dr. Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, F-A-R-M-E-R.com. That's the best way to get in touch with me is uh, go through the website. You can learn a lot more about what I do and, you know, the offerings that I have, you know, the publications, et cetera. So thank you for asking for that. Yeah. And I bless you. Bless you for the work you're doing, Pippa. Bless you too. It's just been awesome talking to you and I'm just really grateful for your time and just even the wisdom you share, like you've always been inspiration, definitely through the cards. These cards were definitely massive for my growth connected with animals so thank you for creating that work sure you're welcome and i want to put in a shameless plug here messages the two latest decks messages from your ancestors oracle cards and uh messages from the spirits of nature oracle cards i'm gonna go get get them this week for sure yeah they're both really good those are the most recent yeah Thank you so much, Stephen. And anyone who's been listening, I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have. Please leave us a review, send us questions. And yeah, wherever you are in the world, I'm sending all my love from New Zealand. Take care, guys. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.